0: A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Caitlin gave birth to her third baby at home in her bathtub, a successful home birth after two cesareans. Her daughter, Tama, was developing and gaining weight, as most babies do. Four months into her life, she developed what seemed at first to be a cold, then led to lethargy and to her not nursing. They took her into the ER, where they ran numerous tests, and eventually determined that her blood sugar level was 976, Caitlin and her new baby were then loaded onto a helicopter and flown over an hour away to UC Davis Medical Center in Sacramento. Thus began her journey into the world of neonatal diabetes. In this episode, Caitlin shares her story from the traumatic introduction to neonatal diabetes to the challenges, the frustrations, and the heartache of intellectual and developmental delays. We talk about siblings, unknown futures, and how she herself finds comfort in this situation. And at the end, Caitlin even dropped some important information for anyone out there who may have been diagnosed with diabetes before the age of six months. I would like to clarify a comment I make in this episode about the regional center kicking Freya out. I will always be grateful to the regional center for their support and education in those first three years of Freya's life. And while I was confused and slightly devastated that they could no longer support Freya after she turned three, I do realize it was because Freya's diagnosis and success in her development that did not qualify her for more services and that ultimately it was not their decision to make. Doesn't make that experience any less frustrating, but there you go. So that brings us back to Caitlin and her crash course in neonatal diabetes and the grace with which she has stepped onto this path. I hope that you find comfort, connection, and even some education in her story. Together we can create a community and help each other along. So thanks for being here. Caitlin, thank you for being here to talk about TEMA. Um, Do you want to start with just, um, how about to kind of set the scene? Can you give us Tama's clinical diagnosis?
1: Okay. Tama has neonatal diabetes, and what goes along with it is it's a syndrome that's called DEND, D-E-N-D, which stands for developmental delays, epilepsy, and neonatal diabetes. She has not shown any signs of epilepsy yet, but she does uh, show Signs of diabetes and developmental delays.
0: Okay. How common is this? Do you know?
1: One in 350,000. Wow. Yes. Very, very rare.
0: It is. Wow, I thought Freya's disorder is one in 15,000. I thought that was. Okay. So. How has this manifested in Tama so far? You said, well, you said she hasn't had signs of epilepsy.
1: Not yet. No, no signs of that I can see of ep- epilepsy yet. But she, what happened was when she was four months old, everything had been fine, great, gaining weight, normal, all, good, all normal, typical birth, perfect birth at home in my bathtub, nice. wonderful. My, V-back after two C-sections, so... Awesome. Yeah, really nice, and she gained weight great, gained four pounds in six weeks. Everything was going well, and then in September of 2015, she seemed like she had a cold to me, and she was awake for hours on a Monday night, just almost the whole night she was awake, so the Tuesday after she was really sleepy, which made sense to me, and then Wednesday she started acting lethargic and wasn't wanting to nurse, and so my husband told me I had to take her into the ER. And I took her in, and they were on a ton of tests. Spinal tap, they thought she had meningitis, they were just, oh. it was awful, chest x-ray, everything. And then they came back in and they said, her blood sugar is 976, she's in diabetic ketoacidosis, we can't handle this here so we're going to helicopter you to UC Davis.
0: Wow. So,
1: yeah, it was really intense. I had a backpack with, like, one cloth diaper in it, thinking I was going to get fluids for her and then maybe some antibiotics and go home. And instead, we got on the helicopter, and she was admitted to the PICU there. And, and then, you got on the helicopter with her? Yes. Oh, I told them there was no way she was going without me. So I was very adamant that I was going on that helicopter with her. Wow. So, God. yeah. So she spent uh, 18 days in the hospital. And, um... It's so rare that even the pediatricians at UC Davis had never seen it. They thought she had some some other, like, infection that was causing her blood sugar to skyrocket. So uh, it wasn't until the pediatric endocrinologist there came in and he said, I think it's this type of diabetes they've just discovered within the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. There's 20 different mutations that can cause it, so we have to do genetic testing. So um, that was... That whole journey he consulted with this world expert that's in England and um, they rushed the genetic testing and the day she turned five months old on September 30th we found out it was this mutation in the KCNJ11 gene this V59M variant that causes this kind of diabetes so it was, so it is a genetic thing. yes it's a genetic mutation in this potassium channel
0: is it something that um, like is passed down, or is it like a random? It's incident? It's a
1: random incident. Yeah, just completely random.
0: Yeah, so, that's how um Willi syndrome is yeah. for most people. There's like three different types. It's so hard to understand all the genetics. When <sighs> I know. Get go. I just I can't get it all. So how was that? How was that helicopter ride? Oh, was it
1: terrifying? It I was. Mean, terrifying they had her in this little car seat on the gurney with all the stuff around her like all these blankets and everything over her and her breathing was really odd that's what had kind of prompted me to kind of agree with thor and take her into the er because i'm kind of like you don't go in the er unless like your arm was cut off and you're bleeding out like you just don't go to the er for stuff so um it was really intense and i was terrified because they told me before, oh, if anything starts happening, we'll have to resuscitate her and you have to stay out of the way and be prepared. So I'm going, okay. And I had no idea if she was okay or not. They Uh didn't tell me if she was going to make it. They just said, you know, diabetic ketoacidosis, we can't take care of this. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, my baby's dying. Uh And I'm in this helicopter with her just sitting there kind of silently terrified. Uh So it was really... Definitely not the helicopter experience you want to have. <laughs> not the fun, like, oh, let's go over the glaciers or right. something. It was the... You. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, this is ruined helicopter rides for me. I will never think of it as some fun adventure ever. So that was very... How long did it take? Well, it I think like an hour. It didn't take that long. It just uh-huh. seemed, you know, like forever because I'm hearing her breathing still sound weird. And they had all these different... You know, fluids because they're trying to get her blood sugar down, but they couldn't bring it down too fast because that can cause swelling in the brain. Uh-huh. So they had to like give her sugar water. It was this whole drama of like chasing uh. blood sugars that lasted for a long time.
0: And Thor is on the ground with the other kids. Yeah, he was
1: with the other kids because I just you know they were going to bed to go to school the next day, kind of thing. And and um and my phone wasn't working normally so I had to, I could only talk on speaker so I kept just trying to send him like text messages and I'm like great I have no charger my phone's dying I didn't know that UC Davis Medical Center was in Sacramento and not in Davis so even when we got there I wasn't sure where I was <laughs> like, wow. like I don't even know what city I'm in or anything it was really a very odd and intense experience and of course I felt like this horrible mom who had ignored something you know mm-hmm. for too long thinking Should have taken her on Monday when she was awake during the night and fussing. You know, I should have realized it was not a cold or something.
0: Right. Which is really ridiculous because why would you think that That it's anything other than a cold? Yeah, that she had something (laughs) that's (laughs) one in (laughs) 350000
1: Yeah. It was one of the women in the ambulance was really kind to me. And she said, you know, she's like, this is totally normal. It's your third kid. Of course you're thinking this is something like a cold she's like she's going to be okay she was really encouraging which was nice i mean she didn't know what tame i had either but it was very nice just to hear someone be encouraging because Uh i kind of got looks from the doctors like oh you know why weren't you in here before you know and i'm kind of going she wasn't acting like this before she was normal healthy rolling over doing all the normal stuff they do at that age so yeah yeah it was Uh
0: a big shock so then you get to Sacramento, mm-hmm. and then you're there for 18 days, you said? Yes, yeah. And did you stay the whole time?
1: Yes, I stayed the whole time. Yeah, first in the PICU, and then she was just transferred to the regular pediatric ward. So they had to wean her off insulin onto this pill, gliburide, that she takes now. Uh-huh. So it, But it took a while to get her sugars all stabilized she'd be really high and then she'd be really low and they were having to still give her some insulin so it was just really all over the place for a while Uh
0: so so you were just there in the hospital just doctors coming in and out yes
1: yeah and it's a teaching hospital so it was a lot like doctors (laughs) residents interns the nurses were amazing though super supportive really amazing most of them were moms themselves and they just they really helped one of them spent all this time trying to help me investigate, like, what was going on with her blood sugar? Why were we getting these weird readings, and how could we get it stabilized? Because they wouldn't let me take her home until we had it more Mm -hmm. stable. So that was really helpful to kind of have that. We finally cracked the code and figured it out. So... Yeah. It was a journey. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: So when it was time to come home, how... So she got the diagnosis at the hospital. Yes, and then you got got her balanced out, and yes. then when it was time to come home, how was that?
1: That was intense too because I had to go down to the pharmacy and get all this stuff, like all these different you know needles. I had to learn how to give her the insulin shots and everything, and i had to have that in case her blood sugar got too high and this ketone meter. Just so many supplies, you know, it was just bags and bags of supplies, and then the drive coming back up. It was just me and her. Thor and the girls had come down, you know, while she was at the hospital. My mom had come to help and all that, but they'd all gone back home by then. So it was just me and Tama, and driving up the 101, I had to, like, pull over to the side to check her blood sugar, and I was just going, this is so scary. And you know, I was worried about her the whole time that something could go on, and I wouldn't know. Right. Because I couldn't know what her blood sugar was minute to minute. And sometimes it would drop really low, and when it dropped low, it was really really scary Mm -hmm. so it was it was definitely an intense journey but it was so nice once we finally got home I felt so much better having her you know in our environment rather than the hospital one because it got really old really quickly yeah (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) so what do you do now like are there you have to Test her blood
1: sugar. Yeah, she has a continuous glucose monitor. So that really helps. Every five minutes, it updates. It goes right to my phone, and there's another little monitor that goes with it. Yes. That will alert me. And what's great is it lets me know if her blood sugar starts falling really fast because before I wouldn't know. And all of a sudden, especially when she was little, she'd be really shaky and kind of look pale. And it was really scary. And now being able to know in advance, I can mostly treat it fast enough that it doesn't drop too low. Or if it drops low, it doesn't stay low for very long. So, it's been really helpful. I've had that for about a year now. Okay. So, yeah. Can you describe it? Is it, like, something that's...
0: So, it's, it's like... like...
1: It's got this little wire that goes underneath the skin. Okay. And then it has this transmitter that Bluetooths to, like, a phone or the monitor that comes with it. And then it breeds out the blood sugar. And then every week or so you have to put a new one in
0: and you do that mm-hmm. yes and that's it you have to do it with a needle yeah
1: it's like with a little needle it's all
0: kind of attached so how do you ba- like can you bathe around it they yes haven't... they
1: can swim and bathe with it on okay so sometimes it makes it come loose because it's got an adhesive so if she takes a really long bath a lot of times it'll come loose after that but it is safe to be submerged in the water which is really nice yeah because <laughs> so otherwise
0: How do you guys handle, um, how does she handle it when you have to change it? Is she doing it She doesn't like it. She doesn't like it. But
1: it's really fast. Like, she's only sad for a minute, and then as soon as she can get down and go run off again, she's fine. It's mostly being restrained that she hates. Uh Uh-huh. Is that the only shot? Yes, she hasn't had insulin in two and a half years now. Okay. So, she's just been maintaining a really good um, blood glucose level with the gliburide. Okay. Which has been great. So that's so. that's the easy part. The developmental delays are the hard part. Well, okay. Okay, so that was one of my <laughs> questions
0: of, like, what is more challenging than yeah. the medical or the...
1: Yeah, the delays are really challenging. When we met with the geneticist in the hospital, she was really unfamiliar with this, too, because they hadn't really seen another patient with this before. So um, she told me that there was a possibility that there could be developmental delays, but not how large the likelihood is with the particular V59M variant of um, her gene. So I was thinking that, okay, we just deal with the blood sugar stuff, which is can be really scary in and of itself when she goes low. I mean, she falls over sometimes because it drops so low so quickly. Wow. So that can be intense enough, but I thought, okay, I can figure this out and do this. But the delays, they didn't show up right away. Like, she sat up at six months. You know, it wasn't until she wasn't crawling. Like, she didn't crawl until she was one. She didn't walk until she was almost two. And then now she's still here. She is three now, and she's not talking. And there's very limited understanding. So it's that that's getting tricky. Because I see her frustration level Uh go up. And I don't know what she wants sometimes. And feeling helpless like that, you know, as a mom is... Uh Uh-huh. So it's heartbreaking. I just look at her thinking, I want to fix this for you, but I don't know what is making you so angry. I don't know what it is that you're not getting. So it's, the language one has been really tough.
0: Right. Um, Because she is not able to articulate her needs, but also maybe she's not
1: understanding. Right. Yes. It's kind of a mix of both. Like her receptive language and expressive are both extremely delayed. She's good at letting me know if she, like, wants to eat. Like, she'll just go over and start pulling food out when she needs to eat. But with other stuff, you know, she can just be frustrated by something. And I see her frustration, but I don't even know what it's about sometimes. Right. So it's... Have you tried sign language? She does know a few signs, yes. She Uh does seem to get that a little bit better. So I'm going to continue to try to teach her more signs to help her be able to express herself that way for now, so. So, well, so how are the resources? It's been pretty good for her so far. She's a client with the regional center, and then now since she turned three, she's getting services through the McKinleyville School District, too. Uh So it's just, we just went through the transition recently because she just turned three on April 30th. So it was before she had, like, OT and... It's just new people now. You know, she doesn't Uh have OT right now. I don't know if she will or not. Um, And then there's some ABA therapy she's supposed to get, but I'm waiting to hear from them still. So it's just kind of that transition time where she's getting some services, but not as much as she was before. Uh Uh-huh. So.
0: Yeah, I remember that transition with Freya because they actually kind of kicked her out of the regional center, which I'm still bitter about. (laughs) That's awful. (laughs) Any anybody on the autism spectrum, right, can be a client, but yes, not right. Someone like not Freya.
1: I think uh. that's really hard because I feel like because when Taman did all her evaluations, she came out as not autistic either. And I feel like when they're not autistic, they're kind of like, well, we're not sure what to do with your child because right. you don't fit in this in this label that we can put all these kids into who may be really high-functioning in a lot of areas, like, way higher function than Tama. Yeah. But it's really interesting. I've been talking to another mom about trying to get kind of a support group going for all of us who have kids who sort of don't fit in, like, the Down syndrome or autism stuff where there is kind of support because they feel uh-huh. like there's...
0: Because they know more about yeah, it. Yeah, they know they're
1: more they're... about it. It's more, like, recognized. Because I have a lot where I see people look at me, and Tama looks like this normal, you know preschool age child and then she's doing these things that are not normal for that age Mm -hmm. and i get these looks like what's wrong with your kid you know Mm because she doesn't you don't see anything in her face that makes you think oh there's something going on and she's not understanding so that's an interesting one to deal with Uh uh-huh and i know you probably deal with that too people look like oh your daughter's so cute she looks yeah. So healthy and wonderful. And you're like, yeah. But yeah. Which is great. Right. I mean, it's
0: great. But then it is, it does kind of undermine certain things. Right. At times. Like, I remember uh, uh, another parent saying that I was a, referring to me as a helicopter parent with Freya. <laughs> and I was just like, do you understand? Like, and we were just down at UCSF, and now the new thing they do um, for insurance, she has to get her bone scan, like oh, her right. bone age. And this last time, so she's six and a half, so her bone age was four years and three months. Wow. So I'm like, you can't, like, you can't see that. Right, right. But, you know, that's there. That's a reality. Right. And, you exactly. know, so, yeah, I'm a little bit more careful.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: With her. And that's so hard to explain because people just don't.
1: It is. And they just, yes, yeah, people are like, oh, you're just following your daughter around everywhere. I'm like, because I can't, she doesn't understand everything. I can't trust her to make appropriate choices yet. I can't. Yeah. My other kids at three, sure, they could run all over the playground by themselves. Tama yeah. can't. She doesn't, she just doesn't get it yet. So and they're yeah. not typically developing. It's just a totally different story with everything.
0: It really is. And especially if it's, if it is one of these, these disorders that is not so well known or so popular or that there's not that much information on you're trying to, you're also trying to figure it out as right. you go. You're trying to understand it. Yeah,
1: I've had to explain it to everyone she's seen. Besides her pediatric endocrinologist, everybody else is like, I've never heard of this before. Mm. What is this? I'm going to look uh-huh. it up, you know? And it's only, I mean, you pretty much just find medical journal articles. huh. So it's, and there's a few moms who have um, blogs now, which is really nice. But when I was first looking, as I waited a while to look anything up because I was a little terrified to even this just trying to deal with the day-to-day and checking our blood sugar every three hours around the clock in the beginning and dealing with these wow. lows and highs and everything. So when I did start checking, I was like, oh, I really need to learn genetics. I should have yeah. been a geneticist because trying to understand some of these articles, there's so much in there that's all scientific language. And I don't know that. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. not my thing. So mm-hmm. it's been interesting trying to just understand more and get this potassium channel and why her brain's affected the way it is and all that it's been a big learning experience for me
0: right kind of like a little nurse boot (laughs) camp or something exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) so do you so do you have a support group like with With, uh, like, other families that you know? You said you found a few blogs. On
1: Facebook, there's one. I've never met anybody in person, though. I haven't met anyone else who knows anyone else who has neonatal diabetes. So there's a couple other people in California whose kids have it, but not anywhere up here.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So, But the Facebook group is really helpful because some of the people have older kids, and it's good to kind of hear what they're going through. And there's a spectrum Some of the kids Mm -hmm. with Tama's exact mutation are doing really well and can go to like a regular school and, you know, maybe they have some issues with, you know, math and some other academic things Mm -hmm. and some anxiety issues. But besides that, they're communicating well, doing really, really well. And then, you know, other kids are in more like a special day class kind of situation and all of that. So it's, there's kind of a spectrum and I don't, it's interesting. I don't know why. Some of the kids don't seem as impacted by Mm -hmm. by it, and others do, so.
0: Yeah, I don't even think geneticists understand that. No, they don't. They
1: don't. (laughs) There's so little, it's so newly discovered that there's just not a lot of research. And because it's rare, there's not a lot of funding, you know. Other things that Mm -hmm. have, they were, the University of Chicago has been doing some research, and they were trying to get this grant to do this clinical trial with a different drug, but they didn't get it. And now there's some questions about even using that drug, so that's kind of out the window. You know, it's all these different things where I'm like, well, if we could help these potassium channels, because all these ones that Tama's body don't open and close the way they're supposed to, which is why her blood sugar will go high without her medication. So it happens in the brain, too. So there's there's this anti-seizure medication that's supposed to help with regulating those in the brain, but now there's some controversy and i guess it has they have some side effects that a lot of doctors don't feel comfortable using it off label Uh for something else other than seizures so it's tricky it's tricky to know what to do like do i push for a medication for her do i not do i you know all those back and forth dilemmas that seem to happen over and over again Mm -hmm. so yeah it's been interesting
0: are you the one in the family that does all the research? Yes. And then you educate your husband? Yes, pretty much, yeah. How does your how is your family with all of this?
1: They've been doing really well for the most part. Sometimes my girls really they really adore Tama and they really dote on her and they really try to include her. She always wants to be included in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But then they have those times where they're, you know, building some really intricate, like, Lego house or something and Tama just comes in Uh. wreaks havoc on it, you know, and they're all good, like, the scrape, like, Mom, she's destroying this! You know, so I try to give them their space, too, so they don't have to do so much, because I already feel like I'm putting a lot on them, because it's not it's different. It's different having a sibling that has special needs and I don't want them to feel like they're having to do all this extra work Mm -hmm. because they're not as needy. So it's tricky. It's
0: the sibling thing is one that I keep coming back to and, uh, and I've talked about it on the podcast before and I'm sure I will continue to talk about it because it does seem, I kind of go back and forth of feeling guilty Mm -hmm. for, like, putting more... Mostly on Haven. Right. um, Because she's older. And then... And how it was in the beginning. That was kind of my new thing, was just realizing that in those first few years of Freya's life, I was probably not available for Haven very much. And who had been a a single child for seven years, and all of a sudden, like, I was just kind of gone. Right. Um, So I go back and forth between feeling guilty about that, but then also coming this other place of like you know what we're a family and every family is different and this is how yeah. our family is and you know we gotta put a little more effort into certain areas and you know hopefully uh, it'll help her be a more compassionate person. Right.
1: I, I do think that they get a lot of like really wonderful characteristics from dealing with their special needs sibling because they are more patient, more understanding. I mean with Callan, she's super understanding of Tama and Sometimes her friends will be in the car and be like, Tama, be quiet, you know, because Tama likes to babble really loudly sometimes, <laughs> and like, kind of dominate any conversation going on in the car with these loud noises, and and kind of will be like, oh, she's just trying to talk, don't worry, it's, it's fine. So she Aww. really, like, sticks up for her, and she's, you know, super sweet. When we have worried before about what's going to happen down the road with Tama, you know, my husband one day, I think I told you recently that he was like, what's going to happen to her after we die? And I'm going... I've right. been worrying about this right. since we found out she had this. Have you not been here? So, but, you know, Kellen's already like, oh, I'll take her. She can live with me, you know, it'll be fine. I'll just have an extra room for her. So, you know, I mean, she's 11 right now and she's just so sweet about everything. But I do wonder she starts to get older in those more, you know, teenage years where it's really natural to focus on yourself so much that she may be a little resentful sometimes, you know, and mm-hmm. that that's an Okay, way to feel too. It's okay to be really frustrated by all this extra work that she does to help her little sister. So, yeah. It's just kind of rolling with it, you know? Always trying to find balance. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Do you have family in the area? No. Okay. No, they're all in Southern California. So, wow. um,
0: yeah. How have they responded to this situation?
1: They've been. They've been really great about everything. And, you know, they're super hopeful that Tama's going to be able to do all this stuff and talk and, you know, move forward in life in a more typical way, which I go back and forth. Some days I'm really, really hopeful. You know, she's been doing this um, kind of alternative neuro movement therapy and she started. Is that the rhythmic movement? It's different. It's like this. um, It's more it's on this Feldenkrais method. And this other woman, I believe her name is like Anat Banel and but I think they just changed it to be considered neuro movement. It all has to do with like brain plasticity and the fact that you um, basically helping children with special needs become more aware of their body. It's like what Deb does with uh-huh. her, that whole kind of thing. So um, Tamas started doing a lot of new things since doing that. Like, she really wanted mm. to jump, and she couldn't jump before, and she started jumping. She climbs up higher things now. And Yeah, I
0: feel like the last time I saw her, she was yeah. just, like, had so much energy. Yeah. And her, bouncing.
1: Definitely. And... Her balance has gotten tremendously better. It was really... She had a really wide gait with her walk for a long time, and it was really kind of off balance, and her balance has gotten a lot better. So I have hope that... Because she's such a determined child, that a lot of things will happen for her. But then I also have my moments of reality where I see another three-year-old, you know, having a full-blown mm. conversation with all this intense detail. And I remember how, especially my oldest was at three, and all the stuff she would think of and questions she would ask. And and I have Tama who, like, every once in a while says, Mama, and it, like, makes my heart, like, swell. You know? I'm <laughs> like, oh, she said Mama, yes! I don't even know if it's intentional, but she said it, so. <laughs> It's just that kind of back and forth of being hopeful and then feeling really sad sometimes too that she's that life's harder for her in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. you know she's mostly so happy but then when she isn't and she gets intensely sad and sometimes she tries to hurt me because she's sad like she'll bite and you know bash her head against me as hard as she can all that and i'm going Mm -hmm. okay i'm gonna have to you know figure out some ways to help some coping strategies that are that I don't have yet. I don't know how to teach her not to do certain things, you know? So it's just a – it's definitely – it's, like, a windy path, I feel like, you know? And sometimes I'm in the part that's really, like, nice, and sometimes it's really uphill and strenuous. So Mm – but we're on it. We're doing it. We're moving forward. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you're seeing progress and –
1: Yes, yes.
0: I was going back through – because I have a blog, too, and I was going back through – some of the blog posts that I've written because I'm putting together this writing journal with some of my, uh, with some, like, little oh, neat. writings and, and writing prompts and kind of a companion to this. But one of the uh, posts I was reading about was just having this moment of watching Freya, you know, like, take these strings out of a basket and fold them each neatly and put them in a pile. And this was a few years ago. And I just had this, like... Which it sounds silly, but they just had this realization that, like, for so long, I had been thinking, well, we just need to catch her up. Like, let's just catch her up to her peers, and then they can all be typically developing together. Right. And I had this realization of, like, she is not typically developing in some ways. And, I mean, she's, you know, for now, she's mainstreamed in, I mean, which is kindergarten at a Waldorf school. Like, it's not hard to do. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how it goes in first grade, but... But it was it was a actually a very relieving enlightenment, yes, yeah, of just like, okay, I don't have to to struggle to get her to catch up. I have to meet her where she is and help her along and and push her right, sure, right. but also accept that, yes, this is what it is.
1: I think acceptance is a really big part of it too, because sometimes I. You know, family members that are so well meaning but I know sometimes I'm like well maybe she'll be able to do this and that and I'm like maybe maybe Tama will be able to do these things but right now I've got to deal with the present and where she's at right now and right now she isn't able to do you know a lot of things Mm -hmm. and that's okay too it's okay that she can't do these things she's progressing in her own way very slowly in some areas but she's still moving forward and I have to look at it like that. So I consider her more like mentally like a 1-year-old in a 3-year-old's body. So I don't I, tr- I don't have 3-year-old expectations for her uh-huh. behavior. You know, I mean she does love to be funny. So She tries to purposely do all these silly things. <laughs> and she does have some autonomy that she's trying to do now where she doesn't want to like hold my hand when she walks around places and so a few things yes, kind of 3-year-old, but in a lot of ways still like a 1-year-old. So it helps me to look at her that way because then I don't have as much grief for what she isn't doing mm-hmm. because I'm like, well, we're just not there yet. Her brain isn't there yet. And that's okay.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Is it hard to be around other three-year-olds or do you feel pretty... Sometimes.
1: You know? There's sometimes where I'm fine with it and I think it's mm-hmm. really sweet because they'll try to interact with Tama and they'll like grab her hand on the playground and she'll follow them around and it's really sweet. But then there's other times I'm like, oh, look, they're all singing a song together. And Mm Tama would love to do this. She loves music. If she could sing the words, she would be so excited to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. So there are times where I'm a little heartbroken and, you know, it's hard not to compare. Even when you know you shouldn't and you Mm -hmm. know it's not helpful at all, it's just such an easy trap to fall into. And, you know, and then sometimes even other well-meaning parents will, like, post in the Facebook group, oh, my child has neonatal diabetes, but... I'm so happy they don't have the delays. I'm like, Ah. good for you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's a no-no. If you are that person in the group doing that, no. Come on.
1: (laughs) Okay, yes, I get it. I understand why you are, you know, happy your child doesn't have delays. It's not like you'd want to have your child have delays, but when the rest of us are kind of dealing with the delays, it's like, yeah, keep that one to yourself. Yeah, Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
0: I know that's something that's come up before. I think even Jesse and I talked about it. Just those, those unintentional comments. Yeah. That you're oh, like, yeah. What? Why would you <laughs> say that? A big one in the Prader Willi community because it's the the big thing is the food, right? And I've heard it so many times, and I'm sure I've probably said it. I don't know, but uh, when you explain to people about this this obsessive eating. So many people are like, oh, I
1: think I have that. (laughs) It's like, oh, no. You don't. No, you don't. You (laughs)
0: don't. You like donuts. Right,
1: exactly. Fine. Maybe you just like food. It's different than never feeling full.
0: Right. It's different than, like, potentially eating so much that your stomach ruptures (sighs) and you die. Like, this is, (laughs) let's not make light of
1: it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I
1: feel like people don't know what to do if they have information that they don't, like, it makes them feel uncomfortable and they want to... Be, they want to help, so they just try to say anything right. that sounds helpful to them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're like, just just say nothing, or just say, "Oh, I don't really know very much about that," or mm-hmm. "Oh, that sounds hard. That like, you know, you must be doing a lot."
0: <laughs> yeah, I know it's so hard to know. Just you know, I do this also. I'm not so good at the silence. Right. You know, I just fill it in. You know, and I end up saying probably stupid shit sometimes.
1: Well, it's it's hard to. I think it's hard because we do want to, I think, say something encouraging. Mm -hmm. And I think it's hard to not, when you don't know what to say, it's hard to come up with something that sounds encouraging. So it's kind of like, oh, my child does that too. That's normal, you know? And you're kind of like, maybe it is for your child, but for mine it kind of goes along with all these other things that are a little unique or (laughs) unusual. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Also, because then you do come from this perspective of, knowing that there's nothing to say.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Like, there's nothing that I could say that's going to make you feel better about Tama's diagnosis. Right. Because it is what it is. Right. And you don't know how it's going to manifest if she's older. Right.
1: I know, and a lot of people, because there is one or a few different mutations that have this transient, and so the diabetes goes away for a while. Mm. So people keep asking me, can it go away? And I'm like, "Uh, hers is permanent, so nope, it's going to stay, and... Mhm. We're just gonna deal with it, you know, is the best way we can. So Yeah. So what
0: does the future look like as far as you can tell?
1: Um, as far as I can tell, Tama will be, you know, with us, she could possibly go to a special needs, special education kind of school. Um, uh, right now her blood sugars too all over the place and to me, she's just too little. She's not ready for preschool yet. I don't feel mm-hmm. like so. She's just with me right now. But oh, that's it. I feel like she'll be with, always be with us. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as we're around. And um, I'm not sure what age, like mentally, that she will get to. For mm-hmm. sure, it's hard to tell. Like I said, there's kind of a spectrum. So I don't know. Most of the kids can talk somewhat Mm -hmm. you know they maybe not have have like long full sentences but they do have some words so I do anticipate that she will get some words in the next couple of years and I I don't know a lot of it's really unknown still Uh it's just kind of basing it off of different things I know a lot of these kids have a lot of anxiety through the teenage years and I see that with Tamin and Sid certain situations like any doctor's appointment she gets really anxious she doesn't mm-hmm. want to be messed with at all I don't know a lot of it's really unknown which is kind of tricky right I just try to look and see like okay so I'll we'll have to probably have to deal with some anxiety hopefully she'll be able to communicate a little more at least what she needs like basic needs um hopefully she'll be able to be you know toilet trained at some point It's all very, you know, kind of unknown. So, but I'm hoping as she continues her therapies. It will all, you know, she'll still progress. At least to a point where she has enough understanding to navigate some of life, you know, feel somewhat independent. Mm -hmm. But I don't see her having a huge level of independence as of where she is right now, at least, you know, just kind uh-huh. of gauging that with the future, so.
0: Right. Well, and then her her medical maintenance, right? right. That's kind of... Uh-huh. Right, yeah.
1: She would have to have a lot of understanding, I feel like, to, to monitor that and to... I mean, she does seem pretty aware, at least of when her blood sugar is dropping, because she will get very desperate for food. So, mm-hmm. that's good. That makes me feel really good. I'm like, okay, she is aware... Her, of yeah. that part, you know, of what's going on with her body. So, yeah, but definitely taking the medication and the times and all of that, I don't know that she would be able to do that on her own.
0: hmm
1: So, maybe.
0: Well, she's so young. She's so though, little. It's yeah. really
1: hard. I mean, it's hard because I'm looking at her and it's like, just turned three-year-old. Right. Like, what are you going to be like when you're 18, you know? <laughs> hmm, I don't know. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, and I have found that things that terrified me in the beginning, I think back on it now, I'm like, oh, why was I worried about that? Right. I think we just, we adapt as we go, and it's yeah. good that you, in the beginning, you didn't just consume all right. the information you could, I think, because you, you gotta take it in little bits at a time. Yes, Kind of yes. One, one challenge, one step at a time. How do you comfort yourself?
1: Oh boy! I don't know. That's that's tough question. No, No, I I mean, or do you? I mean, is there? Uh, I do. I do try to. I honestly feel like Tama having such a happy disposition Mm -hmm. is really comforting because that's what I'll tell myself on days where if she gets frustrated a lot, I'm like, okay, at least the majority of the time she's really happy. She's really curious. She loves to be outside. You know, I keep saying that with my kind of homeschooling of her as we go on. I'm like, we'll just have nature school. She loves to go like play in tide pools and walk in the forest. And mm. she loves all of that. So that makes me feel good, you know, cause there's those moments where she has some huge meltdown, you know, public somewhere. And I kind of get like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to deal with this? as She gets bigger. Am I going to, you know, mm. so a lot of the discouragement will come in, but then I'm like, okay, I'm dealing with this right now. I will get more tools as they need to come. You know, I need them. And I kind of comfort myself with that. And then I just, I try to get outside a lot because that's really comforting for me. It makes me feel better just being outside in the forest, especially around here, the beaches. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, there's, you know, huge oceans and huge trees. And my problem is kind of small in comparison. It's just, you know, there's all this beauty and vastness around us. So I can deal with this, you know, I can... I can move forward. I can be okay. <laughs> so, yeah. that. And then talking to other, you know, parents. It's... The Facebook group's been really comforting just to see other people kind of going through similar things. And um, and a lot of people in our community are really kind. You know, they always... People at the school with mm-hmm. the girls are always, like, trying to step in and, you know, help watch Tama for a minute so I can fill out some paperwork or something. Uh-huh. You know, it's just really... That's really, really helpful. And my husband's super helpful too. He understands the science stuff way better. So when I, I can ask him all these scientific questions and he can kind of explain it to me so I can get some sort of image in my mind of what <laughs> this all looks like. And um, and he's always like appreciating all the stuff I do for Tama. So that's helpful too. Just just having somebody else acknowledge that you're doing a lot and then it can be really hard, I feel like is really helpful. Yeah kind of helps me on those days that you know because I have those days where I fall apart too and I just think oh my goodness you know am I doing this right am I doing enough is there some vitamin or herb or different therapy that would fix everything you know (laughs) like make this all right that I'm just don't know about so I'm not doing enough research right yes I, I do feel like that a lot and then there's not a whole lot when I look at the research I'm like so I keep like You know, I think, like, oh, maybe I should contact these different doctors and see if they'll send me stuff like I could somehow have a lab in my house or something. (laughs) I don't know. I, Yeah, I kind of... I go there with all kinds of stuff sometimes. I'm like, I don't know. You know, you want to make it better. So it's hard to realize. It's a lot to say, okay, I can't. have a child who has an intellectual disability along with medical issues, and this is what's going on. This is our reality right now. So... I just, you know, it's like one step at a time. And, and you know, like I said, there's a lot of laughter with it all. Because Tama is very sweet and hilarious. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> yeah, she does have a very bright personality. She does. But... She
1: does. She, she And she loves attention. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, if you could go back to that time... You know the helicopter ride, the time in in Sacramento. Um, knowing what you know now, is there anything that you would say to yourself to kind of comfort? Oh yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I would
1: definitely tell myself what it was going to be, it was going to be okay. Because there was so many times where I was just terrified, especially the first couple of days in the hospital when they were trying to get her blood sugar down, and I couldn't nurse her because they couldn't have anything else in her body and. And she had so many wires attached to her. It was just so scary. And I didn't know if she was going to make it. I still didn't know. I mean, when she was first there, because because her blood sugar was so high, she was almost in like a diabetic coma. So she was really out of it. Her eyes were closed. She wasn't paying attention to anything, wasn't responding. And then that like, it's like Wednesday night, went into the emergency room, got to Sacramento. So Thursday morning, she opened her eyes and looked at me. And all the nurses like sighed, this big sigh of relief, like, Oh, she left a mom. It's going to be okay. And I was like, all right. But I wish if I could go back, I would tell myself, it's going to be okay. You don't have to stress out so much in the middle of the night which is has a low blood sugar. Because every time I'm like, she's going to die. This is going to be it. This is going to be the low blood sugar that, you know, sends her so low that she has a seizure and then dies. And it wasn't. It was okay. I got, you know, enough sugar, water into her or whatever thing I had to give her at the time. So it would be more that it's going to be okay to tell myself to take some deep breaths and (laughs) take a minute Uh, and that, you know, everything was going to turn out okay because it was very intense. I feel like I sort of walked around in this almost kind of unaware mode for a few months after we came back from the hospital because it was, you know, not very much sleep. At night it was, and her blood sugar still plummeting really low and, it just took a while to kind of feel comfortable with this totally new routine. And, um, yeah, if I could go back, I would tell myself it was going to be okay and that I could lay off a little bit on the stress. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'd say this, to encourage other parents if they have a child that was diagnosed with diabetes under six months to get genetic testing done because this is it's way more likely they have neonatal diabetes if they are diagnosed under Six months of age. Oh wow. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Is that like a new thing? Yeah, that's new.
1: They just figured out in the last, I think it was like around 2005. Yeah. Okay. So it's still not common knowledge among like a lot of pediatricians. So they feel like there's still people who are older. There's even been some adults, um, older adults, who have found out they actually had a form of neonatal diabetes and they got off insulin. So. Huh. And there's a really great documentary all about this mutation called Journey to a Miracle, Freedom from Insulin. And it's really great. Interviews a bunch of the doctors that work on everything and some families. So that's really helpful for people who have children with this, just to see other people and hear their stories.
0: I want to ask a favor. Are you finding these stories helpful? Are you finding comfort in knowing that you are not alone on your journey, that we all experience frustrations and grief and confusion along with the joys and the laughter and the smiles? Can you help me spread the word so that others can be a part of this community we are creating so they too can have the opportunity to find acceptance, inspiration, comfort, and connection through these stories? In your community, your special needs community, can you share this podcast is there an episode that really speaks to you or perhaps discusses an issue you know a friend or peer is grappling with send them the link to the episode tell them how to find it i am sharing the word on instagram and facebook and in my special needs community but i need your help also if you haven't already subscribe to the podcast one press of a button and that will be sure that you get the new- newest episodes as they come out along with getting this podcast higher on the charts please rate the podcast and leave-, leave a review this also helps get the podcast noticed by more people some of whom may really need to hear these stories and also remember that if you would like to share your story you can email me at walking at gmail.com Get in touch with me, let me know that you want to share it and we will figure out how we can do that. I really and truly believe in what it is that I am doing here. I know what benefits can come from sharing our stories, our own reflection, a deeper understanding of our journey and acceptance, a newfound hope, movement through the grief, connections and compassion. All of these are such positive aspects that we gain when we share our stories and we listen to others share theirs and we become a part of this community. So thank you for your help in getting this podcast out into the world. Thank you for listening to my story. Thank you for sharing your story. And thanks for being a part of this special needs community because we all need each other. Thanks for being here.